Welcome to the King's Island Central Podcast. KICentral.com is King's Island's ultimate fan site. Now, here's your host, Robbie Zerhusen. Welcome to podcast episode number 17. Joining me is Brad Perdue. Hello. And special guest, Maureen Kaiser-Richmond. Maureen was manager of marketing communications from 2003 to 2007 at King's Island. So Maureen, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, sure. Well, first of all, it's a pleasure to be on with this crew. I think about Kings Island all the time and loved my time there um, as an associate and um, love it now as someone who goes for fun. So um, it's exciting to talk about it. But a little bit about me. Um, I'm a graduate of the great state of Indiana, but Purdue University specifically. And um, yes, went to Purdue and uh, came to Cincinnati, as you mentioned, um, to work for Kings Island. And it was a great opportunity uh, that was presented to me by Jeff Siebert and really uh, paved the way for my career in the future, which was great. Gave great exposure to media relations and events and drama and shenanigans, um, all of which I deal with now too in my current role. So I currently serve as the Vice President of Communications for Bon Secours Mercy Health, which is a health system with 50 hospitals um, across seven states in Ireland. So we've got a great team and we do all of the aforementioned things. I was just at the, one of the Mercy hospitals over the weekend for my, for my kid. <laughs> So do you consider yourself a coaster enthusiast? I do. Well, I consider myself probably more of a Kings Island enthusiast than coaster enthusiast to be awesome or to be honest with you. Um, Kings Island was my home park, even though I'm from Indiana. Um, we came every summer when I was old enough to drive. I have three younger brothers and I would take my brothers um, from Indianapolis to Cincinnati. And that was, we'd stop at the same village pantry and get breakfast. You know, I thought that was the pizza place of Kings Island. And when I moved here, I was like, what? They deliver? <laughs> so um, I've learned a lot uh, living here, but I love the park. And it really also lit a fire on going to a lot of other parks, which I hadn't had the luxury of doing prior and trying new things and uh, riding new rides, all of it. What is your favorite ride at Kings Island and why? Mm, a good question. Uh, who can choose, but I, uh, <laughs> um, there are so many, I think delirium is my favorite ride, quite honestly. Um, not a coaster. It's of course, a um, I feel like it's so peaceful. You watch it as you're standing in line. And even though I've ridden it a million times, I feel very anxious. Like, are my feet going to hit those trees? <laughs> off, you know? None of these things are going to happen. I'm not that tall. Uh, and it's very safe, but I, um, it's so peaceful once you get started on it. I think that's really fun. Um, I will tell you that I have um, learned to love rides that I hadn't been on in a while because I have some coaster enthusiast children now who are extremely daring and want to try all the things. And um, awesome. We love the beast. Um, I will tell you, I love Diamondback. I love Banshee. And my favorite part of Banshee is the um, eternal flame percent of beast as you wait in the queue. <laughs> that is a really awesome um, memorial for some. Yes. I agree with that 100%. We love it. Well, you came on board mid-season with Jeffrey Siebert in 2003, as you mentioned earlier, uh, who was actually on the last episode of the CAI Central podcast, in case you Yay. missed it. So you might want to go back and listen to that. We're going to do a little bit of a crossover here. 
uh, mm -hmm. combining because you guys were there at the same time. So if you want Jeff's perspective on things, might want to go listen to it. And we're going to get yours while he was still working for the park. So tell us a little bit about joining Kings Island and Marketing Department in 2003. Mm -hmm. Well, that was such a treat. I'll be very honest with you. To, to be able to interview at Kings Island, um, I actually had six interviews before I started with the park and had met pretty much everyone in the department, uh, which was great. It very quickly became clear that this was a place I wanted to be and a team um, with whom I wanted to work. And uh, it, it was just that. I mean, it was not, that was not a, they didn't get me hook, line, and sinker. It was a real deal. It was a great team. We worked really hard, um, but we got along really well. And it made it very fun. Um, I, you know, I mean, how could you have a bad day when you're at an amusement park and you have full access to funnel cakes and rides? And all that? <laughs> so uh, that was great. Um, I enjoyed it immensely. Again, great team, great place to work. Hmm. What was the first big project you worked on after coming on board? Golly, I should I would have to look at the timeline specifically, but I can tell you some of the big projects that we worked on. Uh, Italian job was new. Uh, the water park, not new, but it became Crocodile Dundee's uh, water park resort. And um, we also uh, redid the, the kids' area in the time that I was there. And so all of those were tremendous, great opportunities. Well, we'll be talking about those years. We'll kind of be going down through a timeline oh, because we like, we like going through the timelines and that gives people remember what happened in that year. That's right. Get your perspective on it as well. So in yeah. 2003, uh, Delirium uh, was the ride that year. Is that your mm -hmm. significant... Uh, personal information about that and you know, connection that it came the year that you started working for the park? Well, I'll tell you, they had already had the the drop or the excitement, uh, the unveiling of Delirium prior to my arrival. I think I came right after, but we were able to bring media in ad nauseum to ride that ride, which was really exciting um, from all over. And I remember specifically there's a, a a television host uh, who goes by the name of Tree Boy in Indianapolis. And he came out to ride Delirium live on morning television, which of course my family was very excited about and set an o'clock for. But that was that was really cool. He's like, I think I can see my house from here. So um, <laughs> great to be able to advance that uh, to folks outside of Cincinnati too. So in 2003, uh, I'm looking at the kicentral.com timeline uh, <laughs> under park history and that particular year, the fountains on International Street were refurbished and repainted. I don't know if you had any uh, insights on about that. I don't know if that was before you came on board. Uh, obviously, it got repainted and, and refurbished a couple of years ago when they redid International Street. That's right. Give us your opinion. Um, old fountains, new fountains. <laughs> Oh, I, you know, the fountains are just gorgeous and a great way to enter the park, right? So right. You know, who can say? Uh, I'll tell you what though, um, the fountain shows uh, when I went this past year were just tremendous and honestly brought a tear to my eye, which sounds very cheesy, but it is very honest. I mean, it's a beautiful international street. It's a great showpiece for the park. Hmm. Well, let's move on to 2004. As you were preparing for the 2004 season and knowing that Waterworks was going to be expanded and rebranded to Crocodile Dundee's Boomerang Bay, 
What was your role in getting ready for that change? Yes. Well, we did a, a great many things to get ready for those changes. Um, there was a lot of pre-work. Um, uh, you know, brought out media to talk about the advancements that would occur that year, the next year, when they arrived at the park and what they could expect. Um, construction tours with a lot of my enthusiast friends in the off season to kind of see what that looked like, and you know, the big funnel as that was uh, being built and various. And then as we got ready for media day, we had a Crocodile Dundee uh, impersonator who came and was our spokesperson during that time. And the costume shop put together for satellite uh, satellite interviews, these little embroidered shirts. And I'll never forget um, sitting in one of those director's chairs, right? We had our little Crocodile Dundee guy over here and um, Jeff and I are taking turns and we have the wave pool behind us. It was practically a tornado. I mean, there was a guy holding down the chair. <laughs> <laughs> fly away in the morning um, and then watching one of our camera guys go down uh, again live uh, on live television with a reporter um, through the funnel slides so that was really exciting but a lot of pre-work you know people excited for what they will see and then work day of to get people excited about coming and then once you're there what can you expect and what can you see so that's a that's a fun year it was a nice hot year as I recall good time to be in the water park so besides the um, media marketing, how is it marketed to families with brochures and stuff you sent out at the time? Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, email probably wasn't that big yet on email marketing. Um, right. So what was the big hubbub back then with marketing a water park expansion mm -hmm. for the park? That's right. Well, it's a great opportunity for families, right? Kings Island is all about bringing your families, making great memories with them together, having different experiences. And this was no exception to that. Mm -hmm. So being able, you know, when you think about Kings Island, traditionally, you're thinking about things like the beast, um, you know, the vortex, the racer, you know, those type of things or carousel or, or other sundries that you might enjoy year over year. And then um, with a water park, it's just a whole new ball of wax. You had get two parks for the price of one. So that's a great value statement that you can use for families. Mm -hmm provided attractions that you didn't find in other locations um, if you were in the area or within the, the marketing sphere. Um, in terms of marketing perspectives, you know, you're looking at more traditional things. You're advertising your uh, partnerships with um, food operations like a Wendy's, for example, or similar uh, to get folks to purchase their tickets in advance or consider the season pass which if you're coming, especially using that for your pool, right? Or something like that on a hot day provided many benefits. Nice. We touched on this on the last podcast with Jeffrey, but in 2004, the Kings Island campground closed to make way for the Great Wolf Lodge. How much was Kings Island's marketing department involved with this changeover or was it mostly handled by the Great Wolf Lodge team? I'll be very honest. I don't know the answer to that uh, in terms of how they worked it out on the back end. I do remember when the Great Wolf Lodge folks uh, came over to share information about what we could expect at the lodge. And just to imagine via schematics and sketches how big <laughs> that facility would be and then to actually see them build it. It's um, a tremendous size. But in terms of how that discussion went down, not 100% certain. Do you, do you know how many people were upset that the campground was gone? Did you get lots of calls and such from that? 
Well, you have a, a dedicated group who enjoys the tradition of coming to the park and camping and whatever uh, means they prefer to do that. And so that can be a difficult change because then you're right, not right next door. If you're camping, you're, you know, in Mainville or Loveland or something like that. And then having to do that drive over to Kings Island. So you lose a little bit of that convenience factor, but I'm certain, you know, seeing the new uh, campground and the cottages and things like that, that will be coming this year. I bet that's, that's very exciting. Well, I have I was one of those customers that called in and was not very happy at the time. Yeah. And uh, in, in the end of 2004, um, well, let's see. It was for the 2004 season, right? That they closed the campground. So uh, coming to the park in 2004, I had purchased a camper. Oh, shoot. Uh, specifically. <laughs> oh, it over to the Kings Island campground. My wife at the time had got pregnant. And so I had gotten promoted at work. And so I'm like, okay, so you're not going to be able to ride too much. And we had been tent camping and gotten washed out several times, tent camping. And we had been talking about getting a camper. So <clears throat> We went, purchased the camper, and I called once the season was announced and, and all that to reserve opening weekend camping at the campground. No! <laughs> and, you know, I'm all gung-ho excited. Pulled my camper over there. Uh, I had plans. I was like, okay, well, when you get tired, you want to go back, you can go right. sit in the camper. And I'm not going to feel too guilty about staying in the park and continue to play while you go relax. Uh, you have somewhere to go. And then I, I get on the phone and they're like, you know, the campground's closed. We're not taking reservations. And uh, so I'm like, what do you mean? And then I'm talking to someone over at the park and they're like, well, it's been all over the news. I said, well, it hasn't been all over the news in Indianapolis. Oh. Uh, so I knew nothing about this. And I just spent like $14,000 on a camper specifically to bring it over there. <laughs> Shoot. Can I park it in your driveway? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, I don't know what was I, I was expecting them to do. Okay. Because <laughs> it's not like they were going to reimburse me for a camper, but I'm like, well, can you Never just ask. Ground open? I, I guess I just wanted them to open the campground. And <laughs> <laughs> do you still have the camper? There is the question. I actually sold it a couple of years ago, but yes, I kept it for quite a, a long time. Uh, we, we ended up using it not as much at Kings Island. It, 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 and it really deterred a lot of families from coming at the time because for me, it would have been a multi-day paying money to come in, mm -hmm. whether I was Householder, but you know, I'd have spent more, I would have bought more right. stuff in the park. And guess what? My trips turned into day trips instead of weekend right. trips and right. multi day trips. Um, so that was not the best per se uh, move, in my opinion, for the people who love to camp. I know mm -hmm. Gordon College is a, is a great uh, place and I've been there before, but mm -hmm. for those people who different like to camp it was uh it was definitely a little bit of a, a burn especially after specifically buying a camper 
to come right. to Kings Island and there's no place to put it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause you'd have to drive a period, you know, to the, I don't even know where the, to be honest, where the closest campground is, but I know there's some in Loveland and Lebanon, but that's not in the backyard of the park. I feel right. Like. Yeah. I wanted my wife to ride it's... the tram back to the campground. Right. Get right. her, and I felt that she was, you know, got over there good, safe, and mm -hmm. that's right. You go relax, and if it wasn't Ugh. on the property, then right, you know, that defeats that purpose. There's not a yeah, totally defeated the purpose. Oh, <laughs> 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 okay. Well, let's, let's fast forward past the campground. <laughs> I've, I've stated my story. <laughs> I got off my chest. <laughs> well, I like that you called. You, should, you know, it never hurts to ask. Uh, I just bought this campground or this uh, camper for the purpose of this. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And do <laughs> you know what they offered me? The park did right. offer me something. Coke dinner at, dinner in the park one evening we were there. Got a free dinner. Well, there you go. I, I never did cash in on it because I was too upset at the time to even... <laughs> Because you wanted to fix your supper in your camper. That's right. I wanted a campground spot. I didn't care about supper. I'll buy supper when I get there. Right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> anyway, let's fast forward to 2005. In 2005, Paramount's Kings Island opened the Italian job stunt track roller coaster designed by Premier Rides. What marketing ideas did you come up with alongside with Jeffrey to launch this for Kings Island guests? Well, I'll tell you from a public relations perspective, that was one of the most remarkable uh, media days I think that I experienced at the park. <laughs> um, actually had um, Mini Coopers that were there and we had stunt drivers who were in the movie, The Italian Job. And they came, you know, everyone came in and we would limo them or, you know, fancy car them back to the ride. And there was red carpet, you know, with the movie uh, genres and themes. And so that was very exciting. And then the, uh, the stunt car drivers come whizzing in in their Mini Coopers, which was very cool and um, uh, really provided a, a neat start to that ride, right? Here are the actual cars that the ride is modeled after. And uh, here's what you can expect and high thrills, all the things, part of a movie set. So it was that was really cool because we could use a lot of the elements of a movie premiere and folks who were actually in the movie itself to uh, generate excitement and enthusiasm for the ride. It got great media coverage um, across the, uh, you know, our coverage area that we would look at and um, overall very successful. Nice. Uh, there is also on kicentral.com, if you go to our gallery, there are pictures from, I think, Media Day. I know there's pictures out there. I don't know if it's from Media Day or not because I wasn't around at that time to mm -hmm. take pictures, so. Uh, but there are some pictures uh, of Italian Job back when it opened. That's not right. sure if it was Media Day or not, but there are pictures. If people are interested in going and looking at those Mini Coopers and such, um, to take a look at that. Yeah, there were some Mini Coopers out at the entrance uh, by the fountains uh, for some time to get excitement. Once we announced the ride and then when it actually opened, and there was high excitement about the ride. You know, we had to, before, you know, fast passes were a thing, um, we would hand out time times to come back, you know, that type of thing. So you wouldn't have to wait in line for 17 hours to be able to ride the ride. So yeah. A lot of a lot of excitement and the cool thing about Italian job is that it's a coaster with thrills but it's also a, a great it's a great family ride you know right. not overly thrilling you're not going a million feet in the air or any of that business but um but it's just exciting I think it was my mom's first roller coaster she came with her 
friends and wrote it. We uh, had to buy the souvenir photo because it was quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think poor Italian job gets a lot of bad press because of where it was placed. Yes. As far as removing the old antique cars and the flying eagles and then putting that plot of land. <laughs> and, you know, e even today discussions on KI Central, it's like, well, let's move it to another spot in the park or let's get rid of it because it's using some great real estate there. And personally, uh, with three kids, I like Italian jump. Well, as backlot stunt coaster as it's called today. Right. But, you know, it's a, like you said earlier, a great family coaster. Mm -hmm. And my kids love it. It's got some great theme to it. Yes. And it, it's a great family ride. I agree with that 100%. And that was a very sad day for many when the Eagles took their last flight. Robbie, do you remember that? I do remember. Evening, yes. Mm -hmm. There was, um, I had some anxiety that people would not want to leave the park because of uh, the last night of the Eagles. We had a final rides event uh, that evening prior, I guess the last day of the season, right? And um, then we had a drawing for final rides of the final rides. And um, it was, there were tears rolling down faces, and somber, somber feelings as we left the park that evening. Yep. So do you happen to know why they picked that plot of land for Italian job instead of somewhere else? No, I don't. I can imagine um, it's a, you're right. I mean, it's a premier location and the special effects on that ride are pretty dynamic. You can see them throughout the park. Um, mm -hmm. Probably provided the right footprint also that was needed for a ride of that size. Makes sense. And I am but excited though about the, um, the bring back of the antique cars. We go on that every time we go. Oh, yes. Love that they brought the, the antique cars back. Yes. Yep. Yes. Much to my boy's chagrin. I'm like, let's go to the antique cars. Oh. I'm like, all you have to do is sit. You're going to be fine. <laughs> Your sister's <laughs> driving. Everybody be cool. <laughs> In the winter of that year, as Jeff Siebert was leaving Kings Island and you're taking over, what was it like dealing with the return of Winterfest? I think coming to Kings Island as, uh, as an employee, a full-time associate, um, I, I think I got asked the same questions over and over. And one of the questions, one was, you know, can you get me free tickets? Everybody always wants to know that. And then two, <laughs> when do you bring back Winterfest? And I'm like, what is this Winterfest you speak of? It only came in the summer. And so I had heard tell of the lore and majesty of Winterfest for many years. And then uh, to bring it back was so exciting. And you may recall, we announced it in July. And again, our costume shop knocked it out of the park. We dressed like, um, uh, like Charles Dickens and Mrs. Claus. And it was about 150 degrees the day we announced it in the, uh, in the theater, the big theater. And it was quite a production with beautiful renderings of what Winterfest would be like. And then we had Santa uh, at the top of the fountains. And Jeff and I were out there answering questions and doing fun things. And that was a cool way to kick it off. And then uh, to have something in the winter was really neat. You know, we hadn't in the previous years that I had been there. And it just added a whole new look at the park. I mean, everybody wants to be there when it's snowing and there's a certain amount of romance and delight, you know, in the winter that you don't have in the summer. Right. So, yeah, it's beautiful. Okay, well, we're gonna fast forward to 2006 here. In 2006, Hanna-Barbera Land and Nickelodeon Central were combined into Nickelodeon Universe. 
tell us a little bit about the changeover and any, any challenges that the park had in that changeover. Mm -hmm. Well, again, you have um, a certain uh, level of tradition that is changing, right? You're used to coming to the kids area and it being one way and doing things in a, uh, a certain fashion and your photos look like X and now they'll look like Y. <laughs> But with uh, kids at the time, you know, they really, uh, those characters resonated very well. And the theming I thought was very well done. You know, the, the painting, the, uh, the advent of new attractions within the kids area um, made for a really cool and continued evolution of the, of, of the kids section of the park. And for families, you know, we've talked a little bit already in this dialogue about Kings Island really being a great park for families and a lot of things to do and, you know, if you've got three kids and you have a baby soon to come to Kings Island, um, the kids area is great because if you're within a certain age group, there's something for everybody. You know, you can ride those little swings, you can ride the little bumper cars while somebody else is over, you know, on the Woodstock Express current state um, or that type of thing. And it just continued with that great feeling that it's a true family park. Mm -hmm. No challenges on getting that. I am, there's a lot of people even today on KI Central, who go, let's bring back Hanna-Barbera land. Was, there a, <laughs> was it hard to transition people over or did the kids kind of do the speaking uh, for them because they wanted to see their Nickelodeon characters? Well, there's a certain level of, you know, of, of good feelings in what has always been there, right? I and mean, change for anything can be very challenging. And you're used to growing up with those characters. You're used to seeing them walk around the park. Again, things looking the way that they are and referring to rides in the way that you want to refer to them because that's how it was when you were a kid. But I think, you know, it's good to have continued evolution. It keeps the park fresh. It challenges thinking. It allows for new attractions um, as applicable. And your favorites are still there. They just might look a little bit different. So I agree. I think there's still some uh, single tears that fall down faces when folks <laughs> realize it's no longer Hanna-Barbera and the uh, you know, the um, and Smurf rides are gone. You know? Right. <laughs> and people still ask, do they still have the Smurf ride? I'm like, oh my gosh, was this 1982? <laughs> but um, I, you know, there's there's always challenges, but it ended up being a beautiful rendition of the children's area. Mm -hmm. and be sure to check out the photo gallery because I'm pretty sure, Maureen, you took us on a couple construction tours before it opened. Always good construction tours in the. There's definitely. Yep. Um, galleries on uh, Nickelodeon Universe and the changes over to Nickelodeon Central. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there, there's a lot of historical pictures out there. We're always wanting to add more to them. And if you go to our uh, gallery page, there's a place where you can actually submit photos if you have some, uh, if you're listening and have old photos that you would love to submit, we'd love to see them and we can add them into our gallery. On June 30th of 2006, one of the biggest change that we see at the park today happened when Cedar Fair Entertainment Company purchased Kings Island and Sister Parks for approximately $1.24 billion. What was it like going through that change from Paramount to Cedar Fair? Well, that was an interesting time, in my opinion, because we had announced that purchase of the parks and mere moments later was when uh, we had our son of beast trouble also. So welcome Cedar Fair <laughs> to Kings Island. That was a challenge. I, 
Um, again, that's a lot of change for a, a lot of folks and we needed to do some retheming. You know, we needed to go through all of the HR factors that are there, have folks wrap arms around the fact, you know, there's always angst, you know, you go from what you know to being owned by a different group and what will it be like? And will it be absorbed into Cedar Point, all of it, you know? Um, so just laying out and being transparent with what you know and uh, providing information on a timeline that's promised and being accurate with that and meeting those goals. I think that having the information helps people around change. And that's what we work to do. So how fast did Cedar Fair want to just totally rip out all the Paramount from the park? Well, it happened pretty quickly. And I'm sure part of that was contractual. <laughs> Yeah, as well. So it, it did. It happened pretty quickly. And uh, the rides transitioned in name and some of that movie theming then transitioned as well. But still a lot of the same elements that you enjoyed at the park remained. And mm. on a still Kings Island, whether it is movie themed or theme park themed, <laughs> which is good. Right. So what was the emotions like just let's just say for your department uh, and the marketing and communications? of that changeover? Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, it's the uncertainty that lies there because you do wonder. I mean, a lot of the questions that, um, that guests would wonder or enthusiasts would wonder are going through your mind as a teammate too. You know, what's that going to mean long-term for, you know, your job or opportunities or um, for the park in general. So I think, you know, the, the uncertainty of a purchase by another organization, it's always there and it leads to, you know, then you play out all the scenarios, right? But, right. Think, you know, you have to trust the process. The team at Cedar Fair was right on site almost immediately. You know, Jack Falthus was there on the regular and did a lot of open forums and uh, Dick Kinzel the same. You know, they were at the park. They were in the executive offices. They were walking around, meeting people. We had several kind of forums in the theater and the International Restaurant for Associates. So, they were pretty transparent on the information that they knew at the time, right? What this was going to mean and, and what we could expect um, right. into the season and in the off season. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So you alluded to it a moment ago, but less than two weeks after the acquisition, Son of East had an incident that closed the ride for the remainder of the 2006 season. What was it like to be in your position and be the face of the park during that troubling incident? Well, I will say that was not my most exciting day. <laughs> it's the most exciting day. I, I don't know. I had bought a house. Ooh, excuse me. I had bought a house um, about, it probably took me five minutes to drive to the park. And so I was home that day. It was a Sunday that that had occurred. And my brother had just visited and brought me some stuff from home um, from my parents. And we'd gone out to lunch and my boyfriend at the time, now my husband, um, was at the house. And all of a sudden we heard all the sirens and all the police and Tim said, Boy, I hope that's not for you. And the sentence just came out of his mouth and my phone rang. <laughs> Ooh, it's for me. He's like, I'll get your suit. I'm like, yes, thank you. <laughs> and so you, you know, you go over there not knowing only that there had been an accident of some kind, but not knowing the the accident or anything. So, you know, you whip around through the associate entrance. Um, uh, you're by the water park then where everyone is standing, blocking the purview, watching all the ambulances come in. Because again, you don't know, they just had an accident, people were injured. And, you know, then I'm like, excuse me, just need to pass. And this guy's like, well, what happened here? I'm like trying to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> <Move> the wagon. <laughs> 
need to go through. So making it through and then figuring out what had happened um, over the course of the day and weeks and months as the investigation went on. So yeah, it, that was a very, very challenging day and probably a very challenging month for everyone. It was nonstop. Yeah. Well, um, we'll head on to Winterfest, <clears throat> but the fact that there wasn't one, Winterfest did not return in 2006. It's what was the reason for the decision for it not to return? Well, I think at the time, uh, winter activities or off-season activities, with the exception of Halloween, were not as popular um, or wasn't something that had traditionally been done, you know, in the theme park industry, especially in a cold weather area. Um, and I don't think there had been a lot of experience with that type of off-season activity. So to take a break made good sense. You know, if you weren't all in or 100% sure on it, um, maybe take a break and see how you feel after a year or a couple. But um, we had felt so positive about Winterfest in the, the year prior and I think took away a lot of great lessons learned in all areas, whether it's operations or, you know, decorations or marketing or any of it. Um, we put those notes into a folder and uh, resurrected them later. Mm -hmm. So you don't... Uh think it was Cedar Fair's decision to not bring it back or was it just a? I don't think mine, you know, if I was a betting person, I don't think at that time Cedar Fair had a lot of experience with winter activities you know, and was hardcore for summer parks. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, um, to that end, it, you know, you didn't have a lot of winter activities. Now I feel like there are a lot of different winter things at theme parks or attractions generally. Um, when you thought about Kings Island, traditionally, it was a summer park. And then we had expanded into Halloween. And I think by that point, everybody was ready for a bit of a break. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Well, I just wondered since, you know, Cedar Point can't really have a winter event up there. Is The weather is just too unpredictable. A little brisk. <laughs> weather is too unpredictable, excuse me, unpredictable up there on the peninsula, you know. You might walk out there and there's two feet of snow or could be 40 degrees. You don't know. And you're stuck there uh, well, forever. <laughs> I didn't know if their experience of not having an event uh, up north was played mm -hmm. for uh, Kings Island not having one at that point. Right. It's hard to say. I, I don't know what was in their minds there, but um, yeah, at that time the decision was made, let's not. And, but I will tell you, I was very excited to see it come back. And I'm sure all the people who used to ask me when is Winterfest coming back were equally as excited. It's right. a great event. In 2007, the Cedar Fair fully took charge of Kings Island. They dropped the Paramount name from the park to rename it just Kings Island. Were there any challenges in dropping the Paramount name off the park? Well, there's always, you know, the work that needs to be done to do that physically. And um, it was integrated very heavily across the park, right? I mean, we, um, and it rolled off the tongue very easily and you had PKI Central very easily. And, you know, a lot of those things that you wouldn't necessarily think about, you think of, you know, it's on the marquee or it's on signage, but a lot of enthusiast groups or a lot of ways that the park was referred to by media, et cetera, we had, uh, you know, kind of beating it into folks' heads. This is Paramount's Kings Island. <laughs> you know, so then it's the constant reminder of actually just Kings Island. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it's, you know, like the changes that we discussed before, It um, it's different than what you're used to, but we can all adapt to that. 
what was the biggest focus that Cedar Fair brought to Kings Island that was different from Paramount? Hmm, it's a good question. Well, thank you. <laughs> yes, well, well done. The rest touch and go, but this one. Okay. Um, I, to me, I think uh, what Cedar Fair really brought to the park was um, wonderful reputation, right? As being great theme park operators and uh, committed to theme parks and attractions, right? So you, yeah, I felt good about it. You know, you knew Cedar Point, we had been to Geauga Lake at the, you know, there at the time and, and some of the other Cedar Fair attractions and parks and they were fun, they were fun to visit. And I, you know, the Kings Island is a showpiece. It always has been, it's a beautiful park. It has a great reputation. And I think that was, that had to have been very attractive to Cedar Fair. And so you don't want to damage that reputation. You only want to enhance it. And as a guest now, not an employee, but as a guest, you know, I can see that continued focus on making the theme park even better, you know, more attractive to families and bringing new stuff and cool shows and all that type of thing. I think you get that more from a seasoned theme park operator who has seen things come and go and maybe tried things at their other parks and know what's super impactful. Right. Well, also in 2007, a Vekoma flying roller coaster, Firehawk, opened adjacent to Flight of Fear in the new Coney Mall subsection named X-Base. Firehawk right. originally opened at Geauga Lake in 2001 as X-Flight and was moved to Kings Island. Tell us a little bit about the strategy for marketing Firehawk. Well, it was the first of its kind ride at Kings Island. So, um, you know, really talking about, we had gone up to Geauga Lake the previous year knowing that it was... Um, or in the years preceding um, with anticipation that we may see it. And um, I thought it was a very, I found it very scary <laughs> to be <laughs> with you. I don't think I, there's a little insight into me. Any rides, um, I think that about the former face-off now in Vertigo, but any ride where it's you against the restraint hanging, <laughs> this is probably the um, scariest type of ride to me. So the same with, uh, you know, what was then Firehawk, you know, flipping around and we had an, uh, we went up there and we had a couple of wonderful interns at the time. And so four of us headed up there and I'll never forget poor Steve Bemker and me like grabbing him while we're on the ride. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's like, I feel like I should tell HR about this trip, you know, but it, um, that was having ridden it and experienced it firsthand and knowing it was the first kind of uh, ride of its kind at the park. Um, that's a pretty good sell. You know, it's a thrill ride. It's a great coaster. You've ridden it. You know that it's exciting and fun. And it, you know, we'd had a couple years of great family attractions and here was another cool coaster at the park. So who named the ride? You know who came up with the name of Firehawk? I don't know. Huh? I see. Now so that you, you said that you had... Uh, went to Geauga Lake and ride it before it came to the park. Were there other options that could have came to Kings Island or was that just always kind of slated to be brought down to Kings Island? Well, I think it was great timing based on rumor and speculation and also the opportunity to visit that park. <laughs> so, you know, I, it's hard to say. I don't know what the perspectives may have been for things to come or go or move around or if that was even something that was going to be more um, readily done, you know, or more often done, but that was perfect timing. We had been there, um, we were able to experience it. And then when the official notice was made, we could really, um, we knew that we had been there. Gotcha. 
Now that you had gone through the opening of the first coaster under Cedar Fair, what differences, if any, did you notice from opening Italian Job Stunt Coaster under Paramount? Mm -hmm. You know what, from a public relations perspective, it was very similar because, uh, you know, our role in marketing is to engage people to get them excited about the attraction and encourage things like ticket sales and season pass sales and folks coming to visit the park. So the way that we do that was support was our prerogative. It was very well supported by both organizations. Um, as a public relations professional, my objective is to get this in as many papers and on as many television sets as I can so that folks hear that and want to buy a ticket and come and check it out. And so no matter if it's a kids area or it's a, a, a roller coaster or a flat ride, you know, we're going to bring as many people in those doors as we can. So I felt supported with both through both organizations. Right. Also in 2007, Fear Fest was rebranded as Halloween Haunt. What was the reason for that name change? Um, I think it's very consistent with other Cedar Fair parks um, at the time. And so it made good sense to continue that consistency. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. How did KI Central benefit the marketing and communications department while you were there? Uh, in many ways. You know, it, it wasn't that long ago, but um, social media was not a thing. I mean, you're the website here, KI Central, you guys were always wonderful ambassadors, um, wonderful ways to talk up what was going on at the park. Even when we had um, the Son of Beast accident, you know, communicating through your group was an amazing way to get our message out. You know, even to media, they would come to the site, look at all the conversation. Um, you guys would talk it up and share great key messages. I hope I'm not giving away any insider things there, but um, share, we had a great rapport and great relationship. And that was fabulous. I felt that KI Central was an extension of our media relations efforts um, just because of the positive back and forth that we had and the way that you guys could support us in so many ways. It was, uh, to me, a great relationship. And we still try to do as much as we can today. <laughs> and Good. <laughs> the, the media still checks us out too. Uh, <laughs> there. Well, that's good. Right. I, it is. I mean, it's a great source, uh, in my opinion, of truth because the relationship there is so strong. And there's so many Kings Island supporters on there who feel strongly about the park. So when you have, like we've talked about in this discussion, whether it's, you know, a, a change in theme or a change in owner or various sundries, making sure that at least we could get the facts out through the site. And then folks could wax poetic on their personal feelings. But we always knew that the facts would be advanced uh, as part of that discussion, which was which was really great. And again, at a time when Facebook wasn't a thing, there was no Snapchat, there was no Twitter. I mean, none of the those avenues. And at, to me, this was kind of the precursor of social media for the park. Right, mm -hmm. makes sense. What was your favorite story about your time working for Kings Island? So many great stories uh, of working at Kings Island. I, you know, and just. All of the all of the elements. I think Son of Beast, even though it was um, not, I mean, it was very exciting. Even though it wasn't the thing that you hope you can talk about um, professionally and personally, it was a great opportunity for me just to understand that side of public relations and how you respond to crisis scenarios. You know, I went from Kings Island to work for the parent company for Greyhound Bus and First Student School Bus, and there is no shortage of shenanigans over the over in. Woods or most large-scale organizations, right? So Kings Island provided a great 
foundation on that. And boy, that that is an, an event I will never forget. And just working with national and international media calling and, you know, Channel 5 camped out at the marquee for a period of time and other things. I think opening the rides was um, was really cool. You know, even just citing opening up um, Crocodile Dundee's Boomerang Bay Water Park Resort um, and that kind of media day and the experiences that you shared you know, with your coworkers and getting up at four in the morning and meeting media at the park and riding rides before the sun comes up. I mean, that's an experience that I'll never have again. And right. a great story that I love to share. And now that my kids are old enough to go to the park and enjoy it so much, I mean, I even dropped my 12 year old off by himself with friends for the first time. I'm like, oh, milestone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they've heard all the stories, you know, and going there and I I remember going with my boys um, for the first time um, with, with both boys together and one son fell off one of the benches and split open his lip, right? And like, I worked there for years. I've been going there since I was probably six. I couldn't, I had, I froze. I had no idea what to do. <laughs> and I asked another guest, is there first aid here? <laughs> and my, my family's like, <laughs> You literally never stepped foot in the park, but to receive care and attention, you know, in first aid and then to be a guest at the park. I mean, it just, it brings everything full circle to me. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned you went to Greyhound after mm -hmm. left Kings Island. Mm -hmm. um, where did you head after that? What are you doing today? Yep. Uh, I'm the head of communications for a um, hospital system for Bon Secours Mercy Health. So we have 50 hospitals across seven states in Ireland. So my team does all of the internal and external communications um, for all everything going on within the hospital system. So oh. yeah, any PR, um, reputation management, thought leadership for our most senior leaders, you know, in national publications, et cetera. And then anytime we're communicating with our associate base as well. Hmm. Do you have any, yeah. Do you have any final thoughts to share? Uh, you know, I'll tell you, I, I love Kings Island. I mean, that's probably the biggest final thought. It's um, as someone who has been there as a child, who worked there as essentially a new person, and then who attends now with my my own family and my own kids. I mean, it's. Um, I hope nothing ever happens to Kings Island. I love it that much. <laughs> I feel like so many milestones um, in my life can be marked by time spent at Kings Island, you know, taking the kids on their first roller coaster. My brother broke his leg one summer when we were going to come, pushing him in a wheelchair around the park. <laughs> uh, you know, there's uh, going, you know, again with the La Rosas, not realizing it was like an outside the park restaurant, you know, and now living. <laughs> Um, just many, many wonderful experiences, great people who walk through the door, both as associates and as guests. Um, I can't think of a place to spend my summer, honestly. I love it there. So how far to the park are you now? Do you live still close or? We sure do. We live um, in uh, Montgomery now, so Blue Ash. So not far. It probably takes 20 minutes now, um, which yeah. is not far at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not bad at all. No, it's really not. We are season's pass holders. And, yeah, like I said, I dropped the boys off, you know, the summer. And that was me at the passenger pickup, you know, yelling, this is still the parking lot, boys. Walk to the entrance. <laughs> you have your mask. They're like, oh my gosh, please leave. <laughs> uh oh, oh, she's one of those moms. <laughs> Do you have your phone? Put it in the pocket with the zip. Yeah. <laughs> 
like, we know, please go. <laughs> well, well, thanks, Maureen, for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with us. Yeah, yeah well, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. A great, um, a great time chatting with you and a, a great time working at the park. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, congratulations on your baby, Robbie. I'm so excited. Thanks. Yeah, it's really great. Thank you for listening to the King's Island Central podcast. KICentral.com is King's Island's ultimate fan site. For more discussion about King's Island and other amusement parks, join us over at KICentral.com.